Hello and welcome to the Interfish Podcast, where we bring you the week's most interesting and compelling seafood news. I'm Editor-in-Chief Drew Cherry, and I am joined today by Executive Editor John Fiorillo, Correspondent John Evans, and we have a special guest, Holly Burkett. She's a reporter with Tradewinds, our sister publication that covers the shipping sector, so we'll have a true expert. Now, I'll set the stage a little bit. John Evans uh, has been working on an inflation series and um, for those of you that uh, aren't being impacted by it, and I'm assuming that most of you are, everything is rising in the seafood cost world from uh, packaging to fuel to fish prices. We're really seeing, uh, really seeing a, um, a pressure that will be passed down the value chain, or at least seafood companies are hoping that it's passed down the value chain. Uh, the first in the series we did was on the shipping sector, and uh, John was able to talk to multiple uh, people around the world, both in um, some of the shipping side of things, but as well as the seafood industry. Um, I think we summed it up uh, pretty well with our headline, which was a quote from one of the sources that said, shipping is killing us. Now, Holly, I want to go to you and ask you a bit about pre-COVID and to COVID, can you just tell us what exactly happened and a bit about just the shipping sector in general and what has changed over the course of the past year? Yeah, I think I think for this, we might need to go back around 10 years though, Drew, because this is, I think the re- one of the reasons that, that this is such a big story, I mean, it's newsworthy anyway that freight rates for containers are high, but what gives it this extra added um, news value is that they haven't been this high for maybe 10 or more years since before the financial crisis. Um, so it's 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 been a while coming and I think over the past 10 years or so freight rates for containers have been either <laughs> very low or uh, just mediocre and now they're really um, keen to earn some money. Um, so, and uh, as you can see, that's being reflected in all of your your seafood companies who are compli- complaining about getting killing, killed by shipping costs. So, um, just to kind of explain a bit how container shipping works, if, I mean, imagine if you took a removal van and you kind of mated it with a public bus and it had a child, and that is what liner container ships do. They have a regular schedule, they come, they pick up your stuff and they take it to a port somewhere else in the world, and that's that's really it. And before the pandemic, everything was working like clockwork and they were earning these very mediocre rates. As I say, you might um, pay something like $1,000 to ship a box from China to the US or Europe, something like that. And now that same box might cost you $6,000 or something like that. That's what's wow. happened. Wow. And so part of that has been just kind of the breakdown of the global uh, supply chain. Uh, as a result of COVID, but also tell us about um, this displacement of containers, because that part I think is is confusing to kind of the the layperson. Um, but it it seems that containers were in quote unquote the wrong place, or they remain in the wrong place. Yeah. So in twenty twenty. Um... I, I, I hate to say at the height of the coronavirus crisis, but when, what we think of, about as being, you know, when things really kicked off, sort of um, April, May, June last year, a lot of um, these major container lines, they started 
just just not running their ships. So, you know, I mentioned the bus earlier, the buses just were cancelled. Um, so these ships were just weren't sailing anywhere. And because of that, all these blank sailings, um, it has created a lot of these inefficiencies that um, still haven't quite shaken out. And um, just because there was this low demand from consumers, you know, no one was buying anything and, you know, work restrictions um, led to low productivity in factories and, and all the rest of it. So um, that led to them being unevenly distributed globally. Um, and then since then, um, uh, just, there were just, <laughs> the, 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 like I say, the inefficiencies haven't quite shaken out yet. And um, in 2021 so far, what we've seen is a lot of disruptions at Chinese ports, um, which, is, which is only adding to that. Um, people are, are trying to, and also with high freight rates, people would rather try and send the empties back to places like China, big exporting hubs. Um, so there aren't the usual export um, empty containers for exports in places where they usually would be, that everyone's trying to get them back to to China or wherever and fill them up again. But um, <laughs> everything's just in a bit of a mess. So they're just not getting there. So, okay, then you're saying that uh, actually some of these containers will will be shipped um, empty and that has to have, that also has to have some um, cost implications as well, right? I mean, if you're shipping empty containers, you're not making money on that. Um, I think that's perfectly normal. For example, you know, in the UK, we don't really, our biggest, well, one of our biggest exports is um, export cargoes. It's just empty containers of the stuff that's come to us from China. We just send those empties back and they get refilled and more exports come to us. So um, it's, it's, it's par for the course. But of course, like I say, so much inefficiency in the supply chain and so much demand. Demand is outstripping supply to such degree that they just can't get these containers. And like you say, they are just scattered everywhere and, and not getting back. So if you were to say what the kind of biggest choke point is right now by region, um, kind of what, what we've heard is that it really is uh, China. And you mentioned that as, as there are disruptions there. Is, is that for, um, for people that are shipping uh, products around the world, um, is that where the biggest problems are right now? Um, I would say so. It was actually our front page on Tradewinds this week. Um, basically in Guangdong province, uh, which is home to uh, you know, big exporting clubs like Shenzhen, some of the biggest container um, terminals in the world, there has been this uptick in COVID-19 cases and um, that has led to work restrictions, particularly at these massive, massive container terminals like Yantian International Container Terminal is one of the, the biggest in the world. It's only operating at 30% of its productivity because of these work restrictions aimed at um, preventing transmission of COVID-19. Um, and so all of these, these major container shipping lines, Maersk you might have heard of and, and their contemporaries, are just aren't calling there. Um, so if you want to import a box into China or export from China, um, there's, there's, um, you're either not going to have your vessel arrive, or I think there's a queue of, last I looked today, I think it was 50 container ships waiting at anchor um, until these massive container terminals in the Shenzhen region are able to, to take them and, and for them to load. So massive delays, massive disruption, and like I say, very low productivity at ports in that region. So then if you're trying to ship uh, products out of China, which um, in the seafood world, they're 
if you think if you think of China, it's kind of the world seafood processor uh, in many ways. That's changing a bit, um, but uh, a lot of raw material, a lot of uh, uh, fish goes into China, uh, gets thawed, gets cut and processed, and shipped back to the rest of the world for use in everything from fish fingers to yeah whatever. Um, so, you know, the, the seafood industry has been complaining that sometimes these rates have, I mean, astronomically uh, gone up by, by a factor of like six. So is is there a sense of what the new normal is? I mean, I know, you you know, the, the shipping companies want to kind of make hay as the sunshine, uh, sunshines, as the saying goes, you know, basically take advantage of of uh, of of the, the rates and the demand right now. What are we looking at for the new normal? Um, when do things kind of cycle through? I know you're not psychic, but um, what's the sense in the industry? Um, I think, and not to get up anyone's nose, I think that if you were a seafood exporter using, you know, carrying your goods, uh, sending goods around the world on containers for the past 10 years, you have been getting away with it. You have been probably paying massively under the odds um, for the service you're receiving you're, um, because it's been so cheap, like I say. Um, now, I think um, a bit of reality has kicked in. Um, there's so much demand for, for all kinds of um, goods, commodities, um, price of food is rising, according to reports. Um, and I think that the higher freight rates for containers um, is, is reflecting a more a realistic cost of transport, um, which I guess will have to be handed on to the consumer or whoever at some point. Um, I think in terms of, you know, the, the medium term and, and, and how this current situation will shake out, I think there are so many different factors at play. I mean, for one thing, we need the coronavirus situation to abate. Um, and for the disruption that these China's, Chinese ports, as we discussed, that needs to kind of um, um, sort itself out as well and from contain schedules to get back on track um, so I, I I really don't have an answer as to as to what the new normal will be but I would imagine that um, higher freight rates maybe not as high as we're currently seeing because like I say this is quite extraordinary but um, certainly they will be here to stay for some time I think well not great news for some in the seafood industry but Holly, thank you so much uh, for joining us and lending your expertise. Just for a reminder for everyone, uh, Holly's work can be found on tradewindsnews.com. Uh, and if you are in the shipping sector, uh, nowhere better to go than, than Tradewinds to get the, the news that you need. So um, thank you again, Holly. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right, so uh, that was a great table setting by by Holly to um, to kind of the other work that you've been doing, John, on inflation. Now this week we heard um, a lot of people echoing the the shipping aspect, especially in the industrial whitefish sector at the North Atlantic Seafood Forum. Uh, Frank Bowden uh, of Nordic Group, who uh, moves a lot of product here into the U.S really highlighted this. And in, in fact, it's been across the whole sector uh, that we've seen these these issues. John, tell us about um, some of the folks you talked to in the, the shrimp industry in particular. Uh, you talked to Jim Golkin of Siam Canadian, and he really said this this is a big, big issue for shrimp. Uh, well, we started 
Uh, as Holly uh, mentioned, we, we, we started looking at, at this about two or three months into the, uh, the pandemic, uh, after the onset of the pandemic, and it, it just sort of grown from there. It, uh, uh, one minute, the, um, the, all the containers were stuck in China, and then, um, you know, fast forward, and, and then, um, you know, there's not enough containers in, in China um yeah so it's been it's been a it's been a difficult situation I mean, I've spoken to uh, importers into the US into the US from uh, uh, from India and uh, months ago they were complaining about the situation and um, it just, just hasn't changed I, I wonder too John Fiorillo I mean you you've been on top of the market side of things for a long long time and you know I think that idea that that Holly raised of food price inflation you know i am just curious there's always so much pressure from retailers back onto the industry i mean i'm wondering if we're going to see long-term um price inflation and if they're they're number one if consumers will uh, accept it um and number two what changes that might mean in um either the species or the habits or the ways that uh that fish is processed i don't know yeah, it seems inevitable that we'll continue to see inflation, at least in the near term, as as far as everything I read and, and the experts are saying. Um, we got to keep in mind also that, uh, at least in the U.S. and parts of Western Europe to a large degree, the, the food service side of the, the business, which has been basically shut down, you know, in a large way during COVID, has now open is opening back up so that's going to demand a whole nother flow and stream of you know seafood and every other food uh into restaurants and stuff like that so uh, furthering you know a supply shortage which can only drive prices up so i i guess you know holly talked about the time frame for this how long this might last and it you know nobody can tell but it sounds like you know, it, it's going to go on for, for a little while. And, you know, you just hope that um, another, I don't even want to, I don't wanna even put it out there in the universe, but another wave of COVID doesn't, you know, materialize uh, later in the year and, you know, compound things that are already uh, under stress. Yeah. And, you know, it goes well beyond, like I said, John's uh, working on a series on inflation and, um, John, some of the things that we don't even necessarily think about, and certainly on Interfish don't cover day to day, but things like um, cans for, for seafood canners, you're, you're, that's one of the, the pieces you're working on, that's gone up significantly as well. Yes, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but we have spoken to sort of uh, industry sources that cover those, the areas of the raw materials, and um you know, particularly it's a it's it's a it's a very uh, hot market at the moment. So if you're sort of uh, ordering uh, materials to you know metal based materials to uh, to pack your products in, and you you haven't ordered enough, you you can expect to pay um, higher costs. Yeah, and I I think that's the interesting thing is if you look at the two sectors that have done probably the the best during the pandemic it's been you know frozen seafood uh and it's been canned seafood and i guess john Fierola, the cans 
thing, you know, that that sort of settled down a little bit. But still, you know, I wonder if that offset sort of the good times and the golden age of <laughs> of canned seafood returning. Well, I mean, you know, as John mentioned, uh, the costs are going to rise. So all the extra profit and money you took in the can, the can bumblebees and those types that took in during COVID when sales spiked, you're going to eat into that, obviously, now with the higher costs going forward. So, yeah, I mean, how much can you raise the cost of a can of tuna in the United States? You you have to be so price conscious because in consumers' mind, a can of tuna costs, you know, there's a very narrow range of cost on a can of tuna um, that they'll tolerate. So, and I think the typical can at the grocery store is down to four ounces now. Um I'm not sure I buy the stuff out of Costco and that's like a seven ounce can, but I'm pretty sure it's four. I, I mean, you can't go much lower than four ounces of a can of tuna. I mean, you barely would get a sandwich out of it, I think. So, um, so they're kind of in, you know, it's kind of a bind. They may give back a lot of what they uh, made over um, the, the good period in 2020, I guess. And, and John, the other uh, other aspects of the series that you're working on, of course, fuel, um, another area where there's been um, massive inflation for the industry. And that's everything from uh, when you're going out in a factory trawler um, or going off in you know a small day boat or whatever sector that you're in on the fishing uh, side of things, um, that is just something you cannot avoid. And that just comes straight off your bottom line. Yeah. And it's not being helped by, um, of course we want people to start living normal lives, but, um, people trying to get back to some kind of normality after being locked down for so long and wanting to go on, on the roads and, and, and visit friends and, uh, family. And, uh, you know, that's created extra fuel demand as well. So, uh, that's, that's another uh, factor uh, in there as uh, as things uh, pick up. Uh, it's, it's similar to what John was mentioning about demand for food picking up. Now we've, we've got d- demand for fuel picking up and that's all adding in there. And that has another knock-on effect as well uh, of uh, things like uh, styrofoam slash polystyrene, um, you know, packaging, I mean, all these things, then um, this inflation has just got a domino effect. So uh, packaging is another one as well, correct? That um, these prices, they, they all are going to get pressure as fuel prices rise. That's right. And, uh, you know, who's going to, at the end of the day, who's going to, uh, uh, as we said, who's going to absorb the cost? Is it going to be the processor? How far down the value chain is it going to go? You know, the, the processors frequently face uh, battles with uh uh, retailers t- uh, to try and uh, pass on costs. It's going to be fascinating to see uh, how it plays out. Well, there's one thing that's kind of interesting as well. That despite this inflation, you're seeing um, demand, as we mentioned, but you're seeing consumer spending continue to surge. I mean, really across all sectors, it's it's surging for cars, and um, you know, I, I could go on and on. So. Um, that's interesting. When will that start to give way? I mean, people, the theory is that people just squirreled away a lot of money during during the pandemic when they couldn't go anywhere and couldn't go out to eat and, and all those things. And 
and now they're you know they're spending some of that um but how long can that last before you know the typical consumers like whoa 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 you know the the good times have to we've got to slow slow things down a little bit and that when that moment happens um it'll be interesting to see a great series uh, from John. It will continue next week. We'll be looking at uh, all kinds of elements of the uh, of the industry and how inflation is playing a role on that. So, uh, if you haven't read John's story uh, on Intrafish on shipping, the first in that series, it is excellent. Uh, go there and uh, read it. Um, just a couple of uh, plugs before we end our uh, our show. Uh, on Tuesday, we do have our next digital event. It is on land-based aquaculture, and we have a fantastic lineup there. We have uh, Aquava Group. We have the Oslo Stock Exchange. We have West Coast Salmon, Onfjord Salmon. Uh, we have Aquamouth. Um, it's a fantastic lineup, and we're going to be able to look at um, some of the trends in that sector and, and what's behind uh, the fantastic growth there. Uh, and again, on IntraFish.com, we're there 24-7. You can also find us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Uh, and right there on our page as well, you can sign up for our newsletters and not miss a thing. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next week.